want to talk about the virtue of love, which is a really hard virtue. All the virtues are very hard. Love, I think, is the one transcendent virtue. All of the other virtues, however many there are, whether it's 50 or 60 or 70 virtues, they're all completed and they reach fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. Or in the case of vices, they're completed and reach fulfillment in hell. But love is this one virtue that uh, transcends both heaven and earth and is this one virtue that's continued to be exercised in the kingdom of heaven. For example, faith and hope. Well, once we've reached heaven, then everything we hope for has been achieved. Hope is no more. There are no people or angels in heaven with the virtue of hope. It's gone now. It was fulfilled. Same thing for faith. Everything that they had faith in and they trusted in and they sacrificed for and they were loyal to Christ for has now been fulfilled in the kingdom of heaven. So the angels and the saints in heaven don't have the virtue of faith anymore. It's been fulfilled. But love they do have. And this gets back to St. Paul speaking in Corinthians. He says, A faith, hope, and charity, which is another word for love, of these three, the greatest of them is love. And the reason is because it's the one that is supernatural. It's the one that transcends both heaven and earth and will last unto eternity. Okay. So here's the thing about love. And I'll get, well, I'm going to start with the first reading. The first reading today, our Lord is telling us, don't be evil. He's saying, listen, if somebody gives you their cloak and pledge, so they come and say, can I borrow your hoe? I need to hoe my garden. I'll give you my cloak as a pledge. They borrow the hoe and they don't bring it back. They're saying, give the guy his cloak for the night. He's got nothing else to sleep in. Or widows and orphans. If you abuse widows, this is God speaking. If you abuse widows and orphans, I will kill you. You can abuse soldiers and, you know, the whatever, the powerful and whatnot. You abuse women and children, I will kill you. He's saying, uh, what else too? The aliens and the, uh, the aliens, don't mistreat the aliens, that's evil, etc. The immigrants, the, the impoverished, the powerless. In short, what he's just saying in that first reading is, don't be evil. Don't be evil. And even the atheists can agree that, yeah, these are pretty good rules. We need rules in order to function as a society. And, yeah, we need speed limits and police officers. Even the atheists believe in these sort of minimum, don't do these evil things. But the Christian goes way further. The Christian ultimately says, love everyone. That includes love your enemies. And that's a supernatural thing to do, and that would require a supernatural grace, something that beyond our nature, which is what the word super means, above and beyond, supernatural, beyond our nature, to do that. And until Jesus dies on Calvary, we do not hear of anywhere in the Old Testament or any divine revelation where God would say, love your enemies so much as to die for them. But Jesus will introduce this concept to us, and it will be shattering, amazing in its application. So now we get to the gospel. In this gospel, Jesus is asked by one of the Pharisees, one of the whatever, trying to to see where he's coming from. And Jesus answers, and this is in the Old Testament, where he says, You shall love the Lord your God. What's the most important rule? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
soul and mind. In St. Luke's Gospel, he inserts the word strength. So heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the first commandment. And the second one is, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. And that's in the Old Testament. And now Jesus is reiterating. So the scribes and Pharisees, hearing Jesus say this, would say, yes, Jesus has the answer. That is the core of the revelation in the Old Testament. But Jesus at the Last Supper will take this a step further. At the Last Supper with his 12 apostles, he'll say to them, love one another as I have loved you. And they look at him and they say, okay, you've loved us and we're really grateful and we've loved what you've shown us and what you've said and done. Yeah, so we'll try. Tomorrow we'll find out what he means. Tomorrow he'll be crucified. And then they'll realize, oh, you mean to love one another to death. To die for one another. And not just for your friends, but for the people who would actually kill you. To die for your enemies, too. We've never seen this before in all of nature. There's no other religion that preaches that. Islam or Judaism doesn't preach it. Atheists certainly don't preach it, etc. To love your enemy to death. To wish their eternal possession of heaven, even though they're your enemy. That's only found, only been modeled by Jesus Christ. And it changes the world. It changes the world. That ability to do that is super hard. And it's not found in nature. There is no creature, there's no animal in nature that would die for its enemies. Lots of creatures that would die for their offspring. But there isn't a one who would die for their predator trying to kill them. They'd all run from it. In order for you and I to love like God loves, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor like Jesus loves us to death, that takes the grace of God. That takes the grace of God. There is no way in our humanity that we could hope to, to do that. But by the grace of God, all good things are possible. All right. Which leads me to the next point. Why? Why would we love God like that? Why would we love our neighbor like that? Why? We need to answer that question. Until I get that answer to that question, I don't know that I'm going to want to love God in my neighbor like that. And the answer is this. I, if we love God with everything we got, and we love our neighbor as he loves us, then what we get in return is God himself. What, another way of putting it is, what we get in return is everything. Everything. St. Peter will ask that question. This is before Jesus will go into to Jerusalem for the last time. And they're gathered around a campfire at night. And Peter says to Jesus, Master, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. I've lost all my customers from my fishing business. Nobody will buy fish from me anymore. I've lost my livelihood. My Not only have my... The people in the street turned against me and slandered me, but my own family members have turned against me and slandered me. My reputation is in rags because I'm a follower of yours. You're wanting me to be celibate for the kingdom of God and to leave this land and to go to foreign lands and to foreign people, and I don't even speak those languages to 
to evangelize you, and they will put me to death. You want me to give you everything, Lord. We have given up everything to follow you. What will we receive in return? And this is the answer to the why. Why I would love God with everything I got. And Jesus says, Peter, I has not seen or ear heard or mind can imagine what awaits you in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what awaits you, Peter. You're, let's just talk to Thomas Nathie in the year 2023. You're one of 8 billion people on earth. If you love me with everything you got, when you die, I'll give you everything. I sustain all 8 billion people in existence. None of them can live right now without me sustaining their life in existence. I gave them all life. I've given life to every human being who's ever lived in the history of the world, all those billions, back to Adam and Eve. I give life to the billions yet conceived and born into the future. I created the angels who outnumber you two or even three to one. I created the one billion galaxies. I created the one trillion stars and the trillions of planets that circle their stars. I created gravity that governs the universe. I created light. I created space. I created all material things. I created the earth and everything that crawls on the earth. And I have created the beatific vision in the kingdom of heaven. If you'll love me to the end, I'll give you all of this. Is it worth it? You better believe it's worth it. One in eight billion and I can have everything. Everything. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son where the bad son returns and says, Father, forgive me. I squandered your money on, on booze and hookers and I'm so sorry. I Please take me back. Fatten the, slaughter the fattened calf. My son has returned. Let's have a party for him. And the other son comes and says, Dad, why are you doing this? You're doing this for my brother or your son and you've never done this for me. I have toiled for you day and night. I've always been obedient to you. I have respected you and loved you. And you've never given me so much as one goat to feast on with my friends. And the father says to the son, But son, you're with me always. Everything I have is yours. You possess the entire flock. Thousands of goats and sheep and cattle, they all belong to you. You can feast on one every night if you want. They all belong to you. Everything you see as far as the eye can see belongs to you, son. All of this is yours. Your brother, he gets one calf. You get everything. Is it worth it? It's worth it. By the grace of God, and it takes His grace, and you and I will try. And this is hard. This is like, oh, that was an inspiring homily. But yeah, just wait till tomorrow morning and you're getting up in the morning and going, why am I getting up and i got to do this? Why am I getting up to pray at this hour? Why am I doing this for these people? The why is because I will inherit the billion galaxies, the trillion stars, the trillions of planets, the universe, the angels, who outnumber us two or three to one. The power that keeps all life in existence. 
I will inherit the beatific vision for eternity if I just give God this one in a eight billion lives. I'll have it all. It's totally unfair, isn't it? Completely unfair. That God would give us everything for just one in eight billion. But that's what he is. He's that generous. So when Jesus says, love like I've loved, know that that when you put forth that effort, he has something waiting for you that you cannot even begin to imagine. And if you don't try, you'll spend eternity, eternity regretting it. The final thing about this is that it's not just about the next life either, is it? We have learned in little snapshots and bits and pieces through our life that we're happier and better people when we love until it hurts, when we love sacrificially. Parents know what that is because of your children. Spouses, most marriages reach crisis at some point. And then you learn that, man, this love really hurts, really hurts. But you know that you've become a better person for it. If I had, after everything that God did for me at the age of 26, and my conversion had said, I'm still not going to be a priest. I'm still not going to do it for you. I assure you that I would have missed out on a lot more than I would have had. Way more than I would have ever had. I am much better off for trying to love God and you as God loves me than for never having tried, even if I never were to possess eternity. So love them. Love them. Just do your best. Pray every day. Go to confession. Go to Mass. Turn off your screens. Spend time with them in spiritual reading. Talk to others about them. Be virtuous. Try to live the virtues, which is really hard. And love him. Love him. He has galaxies waiting for you, literally. And in this life, you'll be profoundly enriched.